Okay, there we go. Yeah, I think we'll be all right. Um, okay. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to We're Still Working on the Name, a Rusty Cool Gaming fan podcast where we, two longtime listeners and friends, re-listen, review, and reminisce about the actual play podcast we both love so very much. Uh, my name is James, and I use he, him pronouns. And, yeah, <laughs> gender is not real. Uh, and today we will be discussing episode 7, Squelch, through episode 11, The Rackets. Squelch is a bad episode name. Bless you. It's just... Also, I don't know what we're naming the first episode of this podcast, but I made a joke at the very beginning that we should name it Snakes slash J, and I still think that that should be the name of it. And if it's not, I'm sad. <laughs> See, that's where that's where stupidity becomes genius. No! Do not need to be taken seriously. <laughs> we'll make it snake slash J and then something else. <laughs> That's boring. It's funny. People would laugh at it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> Um, I, I have my one year anniversary with my partner is on Saturday as of when we're recording this, so. Oh yeah, okay, so it'll be that day. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. Oh, the cat. Baby. Hello, little man. <laughs> He's bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> so as for these episodes, as compared to the last ones, they are undoubtedly more compelling. Um, they're just better. I like them more. Character introductions are boring. Stories are only good when you know the characters. Oh, no. Um, character introductions are always boring, and stories only ever get interesting once you know them. Um, because... It's exposition versus rising action. Like, yeah. And here we're, we're getting to know the characters, but in uh, specifically Sasha, like, in a more fun way, other than just, like, reading off of a page. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, not, yeah, like, as in terms of, like, better quality of episodes, these ones are better both in a story perspective and a production perspective. Yeah. <laughs> They are going, um, yeah, they're going down into the sewers. The bright, clean Disneyland sewers, which is so funny to me. Um, because it's, again, clearly, clearly Alex being like, eat the rich. <laughs> Yeah, I have in in my notes here. Uh, this is this is the epitome of Sa like Sasha getting shit done, and the other three just being goofballs in the background, being complete idiots. Yeah. 
<laughs> Zolf gets more depressed the longer he spends with Birdie. <laughs> Speaking of Birdie and Zolf, I have, there's, like, when they were going down into the sewers, Birdie couldn't fit, like, through, and there's, <laughs> there is just James Ross making, like, jokes insinuating that Birdie and Zolf are having, like, gay moments while he's helping him take off his armor. <laughs> there's a total of, like, three times and it's so funny to me because I'm like what a world we would be living in <laughs> oh god why would you say it like that Yeah, Birdie is, like, excessively gay in the early episodes, and I think we all just sort of didn't didn't want it to happen and turned a blind eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so they no I just say no it's the meme that's like it's the meme that's like the two adults like I consent and I consent and then it's like did you forget about the third party and it's usually like Jesus in the background being like no. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, but more on the sewers. Um, Zolf takes it upon himself to jump in after he sees something in it and I... Uh, more on the gay shit i i wrote he he zolf took his shirt off um because anytime he takes his shirt off i have to know about it i don't care yeah that's fine um the more more boys for me then <laughs> oh there's also like this really funny interaction between um birdie and sasha like talking about because like zolf has like a rope or hammond has a rope at some point tied around them and they're like talking about like what a tug is and what a tug isn't it's like this kind of like funny like sibling dynamic almost between birdie and sasha there for a second but Bertie's a prick, so it couldn't happen. Yeah, I'm sitting there like...
Yeah, he seems like way too fine with just jumping in actual like human excrement. Yeah. <laughs> Sulf is pretty chill in the beginning. Um. <laughs> yeah, of course we're bringing Bluey into this. I love it. I feel like... <laughs> Absolutely. I also... I think I was kind of tired when I wrote this down because I was listening to these pretty late last night and I just wrote down because they're in the sewers. I was like, they're just like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, except that they aren't teenagers and they're not mutant turtles and only Sasha is a ninja. <laughs> I think I also think Sasha would like to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It looks so good. I cannot wait to see it. Oh my god. No, it was Darwin. He played Darwin. I thought. Yeah, it was... It, it, I I know exactly who you're talking about. And I... We... Um, me and my partner went to go see... Um, across the Spider-Verse the other day and we saw the trailer for it and I turned to them halfway through the trailer and I was like, is that freaking Darwin from Amazing World of Gumball? I love that guy. I know. I just, I love them. It's the brat. Oh my God. <laughs> Like the animated, like the 3D animated one on Nick. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's beautiful. Not mutant turtles. Only one ninja. Um, yeah, that is honestly most of what happens in that episode. Like, they just find, I think, the right hand of the simulacrum down there. I think that that's really all that happens in episode seven. Um, it's, like, wildly valuable and expensive, and it's literally been thrown in a sewer. <laughs> And then uh, the way that Ben introduce, introduces Zolf in the next episode is Zolf Smith, smelly cleric. <laughs> no, and I don't think I want to. 
It sounds ucky yucky and I don't want to be in it. <laughs> I'm hilarious. Um and also humble. Yes, the Yeah, I mean, this is like the first little glimpse we get of um, other London, which I don't talk about it like enough. I think the concept of other London is so cool. Like, it is deeply upsetting. Yeah, it's like a it's a very deeply broken class like class system that they have because in the lore of this like the lightning rail was built and then London flooded and they built another London on top of the old London but just left the poor people down there is what I'm getting from this. I haven't read the lore document, but like at one at some point we should read the actual lore that Alex wrote about this that we're not privy to. Yeah, you don't have to. Yep. It's really messed up. It's, I, I like, I guess, like, if you've seen, like, Arcane on, on Netflix, there's, it's sort of, like, analogous to the Undercity, which is exactly what it is. I think so, like, later... Virgins. <laughs> this is fine. Shh, don't tell anybody. I'm asexual. This and I hate it when people have sex. This Pride Month, I'm partnering with League of Legends. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they they don't go into under uh, they call they both call it under London and other London and it's I can't say either one correctly. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, <laughs> but they they collect the head of the simulacrum that they find, they collect the hand that they find, 
and then they take that back to Haringey, which as they're like walking in, Bertie is like using the head of the simulacrum as like a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> Oh, I can't hear you, Wes. There you are. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just James saying he does something and having it be fine because it's not real. <laughs> oh, it is grim. It's very weird. Yeah, he's like... I don't really care what happens to it. I just don't want it in my city. Which, like... Yeah. But it's... <laughs> Yeah, well. It also makes Herringay sound a little bit like Batman. <laughs> he's just he's just like, get this out of my city. I don't want it here. And I'm like, is it when was it yours? When did that happen, big britches? He can do many voices. Yeah, it's really cool. He also does Greg's voice, who we haven't gotten to yet, but I can't wait. That's true. No? No, I'm just biting my skin because I am crazy. <laughs> I'm not that gross. Well, while we're in our pause, I'll flip my paper. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> what um, what I'm thinking is, do they ever actually find the rest of that original simulacrum? So all they have is this hand and this head. Yeah, it's B-Boy. No, it's 10 feet tall. 
Yeah, big boy. Part of me was always wondering if it was supposed to, like, originally was meant to be, like, a mech. But, like... Like, when... When... Spoilers. Spoilers. When Tesla was originally designing it, if he meant for it to be a mech and then found basically AI <laughs> and was like, actually, I don't need to be in the thing. The thing can just be itself. I made it so big. Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't even feel that important, like, by the end. And then the world falls apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a Rusty Quill show. If the world doesn't fall apart, it's not a Rusty Quill show. <laughs> if it's not an original trilogy, <laughs> uh, Rusty Quill show. That's fine. It still happens. Yay! <laughs> um, amazing. But, um, Herringay, like, basically tells them that they all look terrible and should go home and sleep. But Birdie says, I look like handsome. <laughs> Yeah, he's supposed to be really hot. Like, Birdie's supposed to, like, be sexy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well. think about it um so so i won't they go <laughs> so they go to hamid's little bachelor pad and he's like it's not that fancy and sasha's like how many other people do you live here with <laughs> her and zulfer just kind of like side-eyeing each other like oh god Yes. Like, they are, they're closer to, 
Yeah. They are closer to, I feel like, they're, each other's economic statuses are, like, closer to each other than Zulf and Hamid's are. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> Yes. Which is funny because Bertie is in crippling amounts of debt. <laughs> like he he does not have money. He just pretends like he does. He has the money mindset cuz he grew up with my, money and he also grew up with a title. Yes. It is now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they... Yeah. By little suit boy and human tank. <laughs> human gold tank covered in falcons. No, it's true. Yeah, in the beginning here, he's very compassionate. There is a part that um, that I kind of glossed over um, when they're back with Herringay. Um they mention other London and Sasha is just like so adamantly does not want to go there um, for, you know, reasons that we find out in just a couple of episodes. Um, and Zulf kind of pulls her aside and is like, I kind of, I mean, scold isn't exactly the right word, but like tells her off. He's like, if we want to succeed on this job, you're going to have to like do stuff you don't want to do. But then he kind of turns the, conversation around and like promises to protect her which is very beautiful um and it makes me so sad <laughs> it's so sad um it's very beautiful yeah but yeah i just think that that's sort of our first glimpse into that sort of relationship there. <laughs> you said semen. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, okay. Whatever you say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, going back to where we were, uh, episode nine, uh, the next one, they have sort of, like, They've done their shopping. They're getting ready to go to other London. Um, and then they uh, they do it. <laughs> and we get the eel in the bun. Um, oh... That's not what I was picturing at all. Fair enough. I doubt my microphone just picked it up, but Ginny just trilled at me. What do you want? Hi. Come here. You want me to look not my best? <laughs> he says, I put as much dirt on my face as I can without hating myself. <laughs> and I like that's so valid. So bad. I love it dearly. Very subtle. Um, it's definitely more shown later in their interactions with Barrett. Um, but. Doesn't mean his father doesn't own half the banks of the, in the world. Yeah. Yep. Same. Yeah, how when history...
plays out differently how like like how you construct an alternate history in your brain um specifically in this case alex's brain how he like constructs the class system and like what has happened to big cities like london um which like building a city over the top of another city sometime in the future uh, probably plausible things like Prague floating university not so much um but, but but you know we'll cross that bridge when we come to it oh god yeah i don't know all i know is that thinking up alternate I was going to say that all I know is that, like, alternate history is something that I'm deeply fascinated by, and it's probably one of the reasons I like this podcast so much. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I I don't particularly want to know, because that's not a... That, that's not a a uh an outcome i want <laughs> yeah move on the rat merchant she's like were these rats organically sourced <laughs> And they just start fighting. What do you feed them? <laughs> that is how you seal in the flavor, rat. I don't, I don't think. Do not scratch chairs. Sorry. <laughs> She's scratching. Yep. <laughs> I don't think I want to think about it anymore. Zolf is okay, and then Birdie just falls through the wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Is this is this the combat? No, this is not the combat because. They get out of that situation, and then that little kid pickpockets Birdie and goes and finds, I think, Asher? Ashen? Okay. Um, something like that. Yes.
I think it's in episode 11, because are you going to talk about the baby crying in the background? <laughs> I have it written down. It's so anxiety-inducing. I'm just like, no. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Sasha just just stabs him in the back, um, which is exactly what you're supposed to do as a rogue. Um, <laughs> doing a good job. I know, I was listening to these episodes and I was like, I want to play a rogue. It sounds fun. <laughs> Which I talked about, I talked about second edition Dungeons and Dragons um, last time and I'll talk about it again. Um, bard, like the bard class used to just be a reskin of the rogue class. They used to have pretty much the same abilities yeah it was it was very strange which is why when i first started playing D D, I didn't play a bard um yeah i mean now i do um but that's why i mainly played a wizard because like i i don't know how many magical abilities bards really had um way back in the D D day Yes. Yes. Ginny, stop. No. <laughs> She's scratching at my door. I'm right here. Ginny, honey. No. 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 But anyway, all that all that really happens in that episode is that big combat, which they are just rolling horrendously the entire time. And I'm like, you need to like cleanse your dice, put them out under the full moon like Emily Axford does and just <laughs> yes it's bad both Birdie and Hammett go down um On confirming criticals, I think that it is it 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 is pretty useless because the statistical like likeliness of that actually being able to like be a likely thing that you could confirm a critical like it's it's little to none. Um, Yeah, absolutely. 
I don't know. The call just like restarted. <laughs> Yeah, like, at earlier levels, confirming criticals um, is, like, hugely detrimental to them. Um, I don't like it. I don't think it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, like, needing to worry about food and drink in a regular D&D campaign. Like, if you're a DM and you start penalizing people for things that they kind of can't control like that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like it, but I understand why they're doing it. I love that. I love taking 10 and taking 20. If I could, if I could take one thing from Pathfinder as, a confirmed Pathfinder hater. Um, I would take that out of it. Um, which like in, in our campaign, if you ever want to do that, I would definitely let that be a thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, honestly. But um here um episode like early sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I have no clue. Um, I was saying, like, that's pretty much, like, that fight, like, transitions into the beginning of episode 11, um, which is really the first appearance of, like, Hamid's, like, draconic lineage, which is cool, because, like, these, these couple of episodes are very Sasha- backstory heavy which I love I love her very much but it also sprinkles in a little bit of like foreshadowing for Hamid with those with his claws popping out when he's so scared and then later when Barrett references his dad that I start making things happen. I don't think that that's a bad quality during like collective storytelling. At the beginning of this campaign, Bryn is like such a pick me girl. I love it so much. Like he's so me for real. I don't know. Like <laughs> just like the way that he like does his acting and stuff. Like, him, it's always crying and throwing up. <laughs> yeah. 
He is soft and squishy. He Bryn makes a joke about Hammond being a chew toy, but like it's kind of true. Oh, I love that. That's a good one. Ooh. Oh, hell yeah. Oh my god. Me, I'm a fairy. <laughs> um, it's probably... It is pride. I can call myself a slur if I want to, okay? It's pride, but damn it. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So, basically, they... Sasha ends up surrendering with the group. Um... Getting their asses handed to them completely. Birdie's down. And then Hammond goes down. And. Yeah. Basically. Birdie goes down really quick, really fast. I think because James is not a cautious player. <laughs> like. He did roll very well. Mm-hmm. And these people um, who know Sasha then take them basically to the headquarters of the whole <laughs> the whole racket racket. Um, well, that was that was episode eleven. The start of that was episode eleven. Um, about the crying baby in the background that was giving me such i <laughs> such bad codependency i was just like ah i have to go help this horribly distressed child there was like there was like a dull roar of like people and like walking sounds but it was mostly just the baby crying and i was just like i can't do this. You could like show squalor was like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then the baby. <laughs> but the, the the that lasts not very long, um, because because yeah. 
Yeah, it's... It's a weird choice. But I don't... I'm not, like, I'm not being like, oh, why would he do this? I'm just like... Interesting choice. Moving on. Um... Yeah, absolutely. But they, yeah, they get to this, um, they get to like the headquarters of the Racket family, basically, family and loose quotation marks. Um, I... Highly doubt it. Yes. Hmm. Mhm. I think I think it was the taken in sort of storyline, but like a lot of Sasha's past is still murky. Yeah, I like it more that way. Um yeah, and they meet Barrett. Um I hate him. Uh, <laughs> you're supposed to hate him. I remember the first time I listened to it being way more scared of him. Because, <laughs> spoilers, he's not that scary. He is a dweeb who, when he gets sad, goes into his room and listens to loud opera music. Um... <laughs> You remember that? Yeah, I'm... Yeah. <laughs> yes, very much. And he he ends up, like, in exchange for the information of where the people are that they were originally in the sewers looking for, he makes Hamid take the ring. He was going to give it to Zulf. He was going to give it to Zulf, and then Hamid was like, no, I don't think so, and puts it on his hand very quickly. Um, not after Hamid sits there and, and, and cries a little bit. <laughs> yes, he does. This is where Hammett actually starts crying. Yeah, Hammett is like sitting there crying, he says. And then he like collects himself. Um, 
I have uh, my note here for this one is I said, why is Hamid crying and where is Azu to give him big hugs? <laughs> yeah, which it's not a good coping mechanism, Hamid. <laughs> yeah. In heavy quotes because it never comes up. But yeah, the in in like the whole like ring situation, we also learn that Barrett knows and has met Hamid's father, which is a detail that I forgot. Which like at this point, if you don't know Hamid's backstory, you're like, what? That's crazy. Which it would make sense that the big crime boss of other London would have talked to a wealthy bank owner at one point. Seems scarier and like connected and very spooky. Yes. And I'm sure if you're here, you've already listened to the whole thing, but it's fine. Who knows? Probably my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and that's almost like that like is nearing the end of the episode. And the last thing that like happens in that episode before they leave is um the spooky guy yeah but also he uh, um sasha asks barrett about brock and big spooky guy says that brock is in paris and that he's quote happy enough da, da, da. he's just a brain in a tube <laughs> 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 yeah, you can. <laughs> I said the C word. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, anyway, but yeah, that's. Okay. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, and that's basically these couple of episodes which the story is like getting exciting, fun things are coming next. Um, the next episode is the, has the best title out of any episode ever, which is, which is Quiche. <laughs> quiche. Oh, I'm not, I'm not a big, I'm not a big Quiche guy. Hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Valid. Nice. But... <laughs> but, yeah, that was... That was those episodes. What was your overall um, rating? How many eel quiches out of ten? Three! So rude. They did. I would give it, I would give it, um, I would give it a six quiches out of ten. Um, I would say, I would say five or six quiches out of ten because of how many times they said manhole. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> oh yeah, no, uh, my standards are so low. Uh, um, no, it's actually the real reason is because Zolf took his shirt off. So that's fine. He's still. I still. I can still think. I can still think about it. Zolf is just being a silly little guy in these episodes, and I think that that I think that that alone warrants six eel quiches out of ten. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think that that is is all for today. Bye. <laughs>